there's something about the Lord. You notice he talks differently than most people. And, you know, the Israelites, Hebrew children were, you know, afraid of the voice of God. And Moses up there said, well, who, who should I say sent me? And the Lord said, tell him I am. You know, what should I say your name is? He said, I am. And uh, it doesn't matter where you find yourself at this moment, what you find yourself going through, uh, what's happening in your life, what's, what has happened, what your hopes are for the future. God is your I am. If you need peace, if you need rest, if you need help, if you need hope, if you need finances, whatever you need, he is. If the devil can get you to not believe that, well, then um, you won't look to the Lord to be those things to you, and you won't benefit. You won't benefit from it. It's like if I needed uh, uh, something when I was a young man, sometimes even as an adult, uh, you know, my parents could have full provision, but if I don't ask them, if I don't even look to them for that, then um, I'm not going to benefit from it. Proverbs talks about uh, a man of wisdom is like a deep well, and you actually have to draw that wisdom out. And I don't know how many times I have seen um, people that the Lord, some people with natural wisdom and then also people with uh, godly wisdom, that the, the, the Lord has really, um, the ones with godly wisdom, the Lord has really given them things from heaven. And yet sometimes you get... Um, people that are really excited about stuff and they just pass right by somebody like that that has all of that wisdom and has the answers that they need uh, but they don't look to them and they don't draw from that and so they don't benefit from it and then a lot of times you know they say uh, young people as you uh, many times get into your teenage years your parents seem to have um, mental issues and they get less and less smart until depending on your each individual is different, but some, somewhere normally by your 30s at least, your parents begin to get a little smarter and you think, wow, they actually know something. And then you get to be 35 and you're like, man, they knew a lot more than what I thought. And by the time you're like 40, you're like, oh, they're like a genius. <laughs> you know, How did you do this? <laughs> what did you do? Uh, that's just, we all have a flesh to deal with. And, um, you know, uh, if you live by the Spirit, You'll, you'll have life. If you live by the flesh, you'll surely die. What does that mean? Well, you'll start to experience a separation uh, of things. Uh, death in the Bible most of the time means separation. It doesn't necessarily mean cessation. So even if someone is not born again and they die, um, that doesn't mean that you cease to exist. It just means, you know, uh, you're spiritually dead, so you're separated from the Lord, and so you won't live in eternity with him. And so... Um, if you live by the Spirit, though, you'll have life. Well, we're going to continue our series that we began last week on uh, engrafted into Christ, engrafted into Christ. And so let's begin there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And um, the Amplified Translation said, if any man be engrafted into Christ. Uh, King James says, if any man be in Christ. Well, uh, Amplified Translation Sometimes I underappreciate the Amplified Translation because uh, it, it really amplifies things so well and you start to 
uh, hear different, see different, think different. And so uh, I like to uh, keep the amplify, Amplified as one of the main translations that I'm reading. But in the, the term in Christ that we see in so many other translations, the Amplified kind of stands out as one of the modern translations that actually translates the word in, words in Christ a little different than um, the other translations. There's a, uh, I should have brought it. I have a, it's a little red, it's almost like a half-size Bible. It's called the Translator's New Testament. And um, if you're gonna travel internationally and you don't know other languages, it helps you to be able to translate uh, some of the more complicated terms in the Bible uh, in a language that people will understand. And so in that Bible, it mentions the term in Christ, uh, of which Paul is kind of like, the only one that uses those terms. There, there's a, a little bit that shows up in some of the other epistles. Mostly you'll see it in the Gospel of John, uh, the same type of phrase. But primarily Paul is the one that says in Christ. And then that translator's New Testament, it says, don't try to separate these two words. Don't try to like translate these you know, differently because they are a technical term and they have to be together. So it's not like in an English language we say like, well, I'm in the house or I'm in the car. And so uh, you can't like just do whatever you want just because it's a preposition, it doesn't matter. No, it's actually very important. They're very connected is what they're telling the translators. And so if any man be in Christ, well, Amplified Translation said, if any man be engrafted into Christ. I don't know if you've ever seen, how many of you ever seen a, like a, a graft? from a tree or something. I remember when I was uh, young, my grandparents had a, a fruit tree and uh, they grafted in, I don't remember what the other kind was, but they grafted in another kind of fruit into the tree. And so the life that was in that tree, the sustenance that was in that tree actually flowed through that graft into the new branch so that that tree produced two kinds of fruit, but it produced two kinds of fruit from the same life that was in that tree. Of course, that sounds a lot like Jesus in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, where he talks about uh, abiding in the vine. And without me, you can do nothing. And so when we are engrafted into Christ, we have a connection with Christ. Uh, one translation actually says, in, a, in union with Christ, which I think gives a little bit better picture. So that we say, you know, in the New Testament, particularly in Paul's writings, you'll find uh, 132 to 134 statements that say, talking about being in Christ, in him, in whom, through him, by him, with him, that talk about our union with Christ and what happens when we live conscious and in light of that union. Now, I, I said that slow on purpose because I don't want you to misunderstand me is that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, that's both a legal statement and what we would call a vital statement. What's a vital statement? Well, you can kind of figure it out. Like if somebody goes to the hospital and they say like uh, they've lost all vitals, like what does that mean? Well, they have no uh, signals that our, our instruments are giving us to perceive life. And so uh, their body's there, uh, but they're dead. And so you have a legal statement, which means legally speaking, when you, when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
If you have received him, you know, uh, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. Well, what happens? Well, that's when you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus at that very moment, whether you realize it and are conscious of it or not, you are a new creature. If any man be in Christ, um, some, some people get confused about uh, do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? Well, the Bible actually talks about uh, three baptisms and really the primary one it talks about is being baptized into Christ which just means immersed into or placed into Christ or placed into the body of Christ. And so what happens when you're a new creature, you get placed into the body of Christ. You become part of the body of Christ. You're a brand new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. But you notice in King James, it even says, behold, old things have passed away. What is behold? Well, you have to stop and look and see and perceive old things have passed away. Behold, everything is brand new. So what can happen, you can legally be born again. That means you are a child of God. You have been recreated on the inside. You're on your way to heaven. But you cannot live in light of that experience, of what happened, of that legal fact. You know, I think I might have used the example uh, maybe last week or the week before, but um, of the lady over in Europe who was a servant of a, a woman of nobility, and when the woman of nobility passed away, uh, in her will she had given this, uh, this woman this picture, or this piece of paper rather, and the woman framed it, put it on the wall, and somebody was over visiting this woman and uh, said, do you mind if I take that and examine that? Well, the woman that was a servant was not uh, that literate, so she couldn't read that well. And she said, oh, no, that's fine. Just bring it back, you know. So he took it and had uh, some, I believe, legal people look at it. And it was a will from the lady of nobility that she served that had willed to her all of these riches and wealth. And she's living in this little place in poverty, but yet on the wall she has signed legally the benefits, but she's not partaking of them because she didn't realize what she had. Yet legally, according to the law, all of those riches are hers. And um, that can happen to a believer so easily where you have all of the wealth and the riches of the kingdom of God at your disposal, but you're not aware of it. And because you're not aware of it, you don't take advantage of it. Like, um, you know, in order to pull the church trailer, my wife and I had to buy this uh, three-quarter ton Chevy 6.6 liter diesel Duramax pickup. <laughs> well, I had never, well, I, I'd driven an 18-wheeler before, but um, a tractor for one of those, but I had never driven a three-quarter ton pickup, so I'd driven regular pickups. And I thought, okay, we're getting a pickup. Man, uh, we, we found one on, I don't know what it was on, Craigslist or something. I don't know, it wasn't Craigslist. Anyhow, I found one out in California. And um, because uh, for the price range we wanted to pay, uh, most of the ones up north or maybe even around here were kind of rusted. And um, we, only, we only wanted to pay like $15,000, somewhere in that range. And so anyhow, we found this one in California. So my daughter and I flew out uh, to buy it and check it out, buy it, and then drive it back. And um, my daughter had never been to California. She's only, you know, she's just 10 now. She was nine then. 
And um, I'd never been to like the Sequoia National Forest. So we flew into Fresno and Sequoia's right there. And so after we had some complications with the purchase worked out um, because of the wonderful state of California and the red tape that they have, we had everything prearranged ahead of time and it didn't go how we had planned. Uh, anyhow, we got a little late start. And so we went up and it was the evening and we're trying, I'm trying to beat the daylight. And uh, so we went up into the mountains to Sequoia National Park. And, um, you know, you drive a car or a tr- pickup truck up into the mountains and you can tell like you're going up. I mean, these are pretty, pretty good grade going up there. I couldn't tell a thing. Like that truck, it just, <laughs> and I, I never experienced this with that before, but I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. <laughs> Because I'm just driving the thing, and I'm like, Evie, do you, do you see that? Like, it's not even, it's not even, what do you call that? Breaking a sweat, or it's not uh, putting any drag, or it's not, it's not tough for this thing at all. It's, it's just like, what else you got, you know? And um, man, I just, whew. so then after that, you know, it's a long trip home from California when you're driving. And so every time I go through the mountains, I'm just like, on the flat, you didn't notice it, but the mountains, you know, everybody else is slowing down, you know, and I'm watching the RPM, and it's just, it's just like barely goes up a little bit, and you can't even, you know, it's not shifting gears, it's just, I thought, this, this thing is amazing. And so I purchased it, and I didn't realize that. You know, I had researched and knew I needed this, but I didn't understand, okay, I need this, but what's it going to do for me? Like, how, how am I going to experience? So I didn't realize, well, I'm going to experience, like, this thing is going to make me smile while I'm going up these hills. <laughs> and uh, I still laugh at that because, you know, anyhow, I didn't grow up, like, uh, doing all of that uh, tough work with a big one-ton pickup or three-quarter ton or something like that. And so uh, I see why those, you know, people really like, I got to have the, this kind of pickup. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, Dave, being a mechanic there, uh, he really appreciates it as well. And when we pull our trailer for the church, it's, um, I mean, that thing, it just goes. You can be going up a hill or mountain and it still just pulls it or whatever. So it's a, it's a tremendous blessing. But the point of that illustration was you can really have something and even go after something and not comprehend the full import of what this means, of how this is going to affect you how this is going to affect your daily life. I didn't anticipate. I thought, okay, I'm getting a, a larger truck because you know, the trailer's going to be somewhere around 10,000 pounds and I want to be able to, in D.C. traffic especially, I want to have brakes that are strong enough to stop it. I want, you know, Because all of a sudden you're driving, you know. There's a goose crossing the road. <laughs> Anyhow. So I understood some of those things, but I didn't understand, like, you know, with no trailer going up into the mountains, I'm going to be like, and um, so uh, anyhow, we had a good time, and, uh, but I didn't, I didn't comprehend or understand. Well, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. I know Dad Hagen, he taught on... Uh, in Christ quite a bit, and uh, at one of the churches where he was ministering, he taught about it, and this lady who had been to Bible school, I think it was even to seminary Bible school, and um, she had been, uh, I think was head of their Sunday school program and you know, headed up all of the education, Christian education, those type of things, and she heard this message, and he said, you know, if you just take 
a few of these verses, a few of the 132 to 134, write them down and meditate on them every day. It'll change your life. Well, she was kind of busy, but she took, I think it was three or four of them, and for 30 days, she wrote those down and she meditated on them. And she came back 30 days later and said, I feel like I have been born again all over again. Why was that? Because she just then, after those 30 days, after being to Bible school, head of all the Christian education, figuring out the curriculum, doing all of that, help studying, helping teachers get going, she just then began to realize who she was in Christ and what she had in Christ. So I would maybe say it like this. She just then began to realize who she was in her union with Christ and what she had in her union with Christ. Because what will happen is if you don't pay attention, you know, the word of God tells us, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. Why does the Holy Ghost say that? Well, because if it's not automatic. So as you have received your pickup, <laughs> drive it in the mountains. I didn't have to automatically go to those mountains right there. At some point, I had to come back, though. <laughs> Anyhow, every illustration breaks down at some point. And so, as you have received Christ, live in him, walk in him. Remember the words of Jesus himself. If you live in me and my words live in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. That is an amazing statement. But many times we take that and we conflate that with as soon as I am born again, Everything's going to be fine. I don't have to do anything. I've got it made. I'm just going to sit back and watch the Lord do his thing. You know, like I said, Dad Hagen, he would call that uh, waiting for ripe cherries just to drop off of a tree. Like all of a sudden, it's the time of harvest, and they start to get ripe. All of a sudden, they just, you know, just, well, just put your bucket down there, and nope, they're going to fall in. They're going to fall in. Just kind of automatic. That's not the way the things uh, of the kingdom are. You're legally born again. You're connected with Christ. But as you have received him, so walk in him. Well, that takes us to a really short portion of the message, hopefully. That is, uh, we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which includes our mind and our will and our emotions. And then we live in a body. Uh, and my favorite modern day illustration for that, and it's probably um, really, uh, I guess, appropriate for this time of the, like the whole Me Too campaign and stuff like that, is a lot of times you'll hear women say, you just want me for my body. So even, my point in saying that is, even the secular world recognizes you are more than your body. Like your body is not you, it's simply the house that you live in. It's your earth suit. Or uh, you could even say, it is your suit that you wear in the realm of time. And so you are a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. Now, if you are born again, and you try to live your life 
ruled by your body, letting your body call the shots, well, then you will not experience what the promises of God say are yours in Christ. Because like in Romans, I quoted earlier, uh, if you live by the flesh, you'll surely die. Well, you'll start to experience separation in all of these areas. And if you don't renew your mind with the word of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and prove what is the will of God, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If you don't renew your mind and you try to live your life with an unrenewed mind, well, then you also won't get what God has offered. The only way to get God's best in life is to live out of your spirit. That's where you are a new creature, where old things have passed away, and look and see everything has become brand new. So if you live out of your mental capabilities, you know, the devil will speak to your mind. And you may like, Lord, I, you know, I messed up, and please forgive me. But then the devil will try to bring a picture back to you, back to your mind. And if you don't live in light of the word, where the word says that God himself has removed that and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, and it's as far away as the east is from the west, meaning it's impossible to get back to it in the mind of God, well, you're going to say, yeah, but I, I know that I did that. Well, what are you doing? You're living your life identified with your actions, you're identifying with what you have done and you're actually placing that in higher esteem than what God himself said if you indeed confessed your sins. Because if you're a believer, 1 John 1, 9, and you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's either true or it's a lie. But what happens is, well, I just don't feel forgiven or I don't feel cleansed. Or I don't, I've been thinking about it and I, I don't understand how that's possible that I would mess up this much and the Lord would actually forgive me. Well, see, that's an unrenewed mind. Because when you get your mind renewed, you, you're on fire with the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him, nothing was made that is made. And so, and then in Hebrew, that was uh, John 1, 1, 1 through 3 or 4 there. And then in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, we find that uh, he holds everything by the power of his word. He holds all things together. And by him, all things consist. And that is the word. And so, as soon as you start to receive the word of God with meekness, as the word says, for the saving of your soul, uh, that word planted in your heart, that seed will produce after its own kind. And if all things were made by the word and all things are held together by the word, if you go to the word, you're gonna have the ultimate source of life for every situation, for every problem, in every circumstance. The word of God will never fail. But you have to do the word. What is faith? Well, some people say, well, faith is simply acting on the word. That's not a bad definition. But faith is acting on the word of God because you believe it's true. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We have the same spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13. 
Just the same faith that Jesus had, just the same faith that Paul had, the same faith that David had. You know, when you are born again, you actually receive the faith of Jesus Christ. Faith is a fruit of the born again, recreated human spirit. And as soon as you are born again and you're recreated, whether you're conscious of it or not, you actually have the faith of God. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God or have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, he's saying, don't try to, just like Paul said, right? Is Paul going to say anything different than what the word himself says? Not if he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, don't try to do it yourself. Lay hold or grab hold on God's faithfulness. And then when you're born again, you get the very faith of God on the inside of you. Now, you have to develop that faith. You have to learn to use that faith. But you get faith of the quality that God created and that God gives. It's been given to every man the measure of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or faith is awakened, one translation says, by hearing the word of God. So as soon as you hear the word that created all things and that sustains all things, and you hear it not here only, but in your heart, the real you, your spirit, all of a sudden, faith is an active form. In other words, it's to be acted on. It's when, when light comes. My favorite thing about revelation, when you get a revelation of the word of God is, you know, generally you say like, did you see, do, do, do you see that? It says, if any man be in Christ. And maybe somebody's not like got light on it at the moment. And they're like, yeah. Like it says, if any man be in Christ, are you getting that? You know, and if you're in the position where you're the one like you, you kind of got a glimmer of light there and everything and you kind of feel like, well, I should just stop talking because you're not getting it. <laughs> you make me feel like, what am I doing? <laughs> That's because God doesn't make things complicated. I mean, look at Jesus. When he came, he spoke in parables and stories to make it real simple so that we could all grab hold of what he's saying. He's not trying to make it uh, difficult for us. And um, um, so anytime... Here's a good test of uh, somebody's revelation of the word of God. Anytime it's really complicated and hard to understand, uh, they might have a glimmer of revelation, but they, they need some more light maybe before they communicate it a whole lot because uh, Jesus' yoke is easy, his burden's light, and when you start to see something from God, you look and you say, it was there the whole time. How could it be so simple? How, how could I miss that? You don't, you don't have to like try to cobble this stuff together and, and, and be like, well, I guess I could see that's a possibility. You know, some people have some stuff like that, but I try to stay away from that. I just kind of like hold that to the side and say, okay, you know, uh, we'll see. But anyhow, if it's in line with the word of God, it'll be in line with the whole word of God. And you'll find that... Um, Jesus doesn't make it complicated. Uh, he makes it so, so simple that even somebody like me could understand. <laughs> and so, oh, look at the time. Praise the Lord. And so you even see in the word of God in the Old Testament, you see with Gideon that God himself said to Gideon, you know, that they're in the land of the Midianites and they didn't listen to the Lord. And they didn't do it the way he said. 
And so that put them on the enemy's territory. And so they couldn't experience the full blessing of God. And so because of that, you know, basically the Midianites, every time the Israelites, they'll go and they want to plant all these crops and they try to plant all these crops. And every time they do, the Midianites come and they like run over them. They get all of their, their or not all of their, but several of their livestock to run over them, trample them, ruin them. And so they're having to like, everything they do, they're having to do in secret because if the Midianites see what they're doing and they have any spoils, they go and they, they destroy it or they take it and they, you know, they're just basically, they're living under a curse. And so um, Gideon finds himself in that position. He's under this tree because um, it's like a wine press, but he's actually growing uh, food down there. So he can secretly do it so they won't come and destroy it, <laughs> right? Because the Israelites are starting to starve and they need food. And so in that condition where they're like, you know, oppressed, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, right? This guy that's hiding out under this tree. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Now, what must have he thought? I mean, what did he feel like? Judges chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. And then verse, uh, second, second half of verse six and, and then also verse seven. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So sometimes we put ourselves on the devil's territory and then we're like, okay, Lord, what did I do? I, you know, I thought I wanted this. You know, sometimes you get what you want, but you don't really want what you get. <laughs> and so then they cried out to the Lord and uh, the Lord sent an angel and appeared to Gideon and said, uh, mighty man of valor or a new living says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If I am born again and I am a new creature and I have all of these things in Christ, why is all of this happening to me? Um, and where are all of the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Well, if you know the story of Gideon, then you know, like, he got this great company of um, military men to go and to fight the Midianites, and he's like, okay, we're going to do this. The Lord appeared to me, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it all, and the Lord says, you need to say, anybody that's afraid, go home, because I don't want you winning this battle and thinking the reason that you won this battle is because of the mighty number of men that you have. So about half of them go home, right? And then several other things, they end up being whittled down to like 300 mighty men. And then the Lord gives them the strategy and confirms that he had called them to do this. And then they go in and they plunder the enemy. Actually, the enemy like... Uh, kills each other with their own swords and uh, they go in and get all the spoils and some of the people that left, the other military people that left, they're upset with them. You know, like, well, how come you sent us away and all this type of stuff? And, you know, he didn't explain to them because the Lord said, but that's a whole other part of the story. God said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, when there was no physical evidence pointing that direction, actually all the physical evidence was the opposite direction and it was contrary. So sometimes you see, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, you're more familiar with your um, 
past than what I am. And so you might look and you say, well, yeah, but pastor, the word says I'm a new creature, but look at what I keep doing. Look at how I keep living. Look at all of this type of stuff. The Bible said, look and see that you're a new creature. It didn't say, look and see what you've done to deserve this. Look and see what you've done to be qualified for this. And if you see that you have a righteous past uh, in things that you have done, then you're a new creature. No, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. And then, of course, uh, we see Abraham, and God promised him a child. And then the Lord declared to him, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. For the father of many nations have I made you. And that was before there was any physical evidence. And then to be more clear and specific, the Lord even said, I'm not talking about Ishmael. I'm talking about through your wife, Sarah. That you'll be a great nation. And I'm going to give you this land. And I'm going to give you abundance. And I'm going to give you this. And I'm going to give you that. When there was no physical evidence that it was even a possibility Actually, the physical evidence that they had said exactly the opposite. It is not possible at this age for the man or for the woman. So we're talking about the God of the impossible making things possible. So impossible was it that when the Lord appeared to Abraham, he laughed. You know, if you read the account in Genesis 7, Abraham laughed. It's like, <laughs> really, in my old age? And have you seen my wife? <laughs> but God specializes in calling those things which be not as though they were. And so that's called faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so if you're going to experience the blessings of says about you concerning you, then you're going to have to declare what the word of God says about you concerning you, who you are in Christ, who you are in your connection with Christ and your union with Christ. And let me kind of finish out with this. And we touched on it a little bit last week. And that is, um, I don't know why I turned that off. That's so funny. If you just go by default, you put yourself kind of on autopilot, you're not going to by default live based on who you are in Christ. In Christ, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. If you read, there, uh, read on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, speaking of Christ, that we might be or become the righteousness of God in him. What does that mean? That means we have been restored to favor with God himself. Just the same favor, the same rapport that Jesus himself has with God, we have that same favor, that same rapport. That means we have an open door into the throne room of heaven where God dwells. We have an open door into the throne room of heaven where executive decisions are made. So we have, like I like to say, we have like the green A badge to go into the White House. Right? You can go then into the Oval Office, you can go all these places. And so we have that access through Christ Jesus. But if we don't live 
in, in uh, light of that, then we won't even go in there. Or if we do go in, we'll go in like, you know, let's say, is this, did you want something? Like, no, 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 no. But we're thinking, I really would like this, but I've done too many bad things to, I couldn't deserve this, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't have this. Well, that's not living in light of who we are in Christ. That's living of, in light of who we are in our self-righteousness. In other words, what we could accomplish on our own or what we did accomplish on our own or what we did to God. No, we just come by the blood of Jesus, by what Jesus himself has done. But it doesn't happen by default because by default, you're going to gravitate toward what you're most comfortable with. So if you're most comfortable with thinking that you're a loser and that you don't measure up and that someone else always gets the promotion or somebody else is closer to God or someone else can go into the presence of God and that makes you feel comfortable. Uh, maybe the most extreme example I could think of at the moment is a hypochondriac who actually they're not sick but they get enjoyment out of the attention they get when they're sick. That doesn't actually mean I don't believe that a hypochondriac wants to be sick for the sake of being sick. They're seeking attention, right? So you have someone that uh, doesn't have many friends, and the Bible says, uh, if you want friends, to show yourself friendly. Well, what happens? Well, because your mind is not renewed with the word of God, and you're not walking by faith, you're walking by what it feels like and what it seems like, then you come into a group of people, and you give off uh, the aroma, so to speak, and nobody wants to talk to me, and I don't have any friends, and nobody ever wants to be my friend. And what happens when you talk to somebody like that? Well, you don't want to be their friend, <laughs> right? Because that's what they're, well, they're getting what they believe. But we have to go by what the Word of God says, not what it feels like. Now, I'll give a, maybe one other illustration, which would be the opposite end of that, is that you understand that I am the most important person in the room. And everybody needs a bit of my knowledge. I mean, they couldn't handle all of it, but <laughs> I'll give them just a glimpse. I think they could maybe handle a glimpse because I'm very special and all this stuff. What happens with that? Well, say that person's at a place of business. There's a business meeting. And uh, you know the person running the meeting says, hey, let's have some ideas for how to get this new product out. And this person who is God's gift to the world says, well, I think we should do such and such. And then the final decision comes down and it's somebody else's idea. Well, they just quit because they don't respect what I have. They don't respect all this because their identification is in their performance or people's recognition of their significance. So you only feel significant when people recognize your significance. But our greatest significance, it's not that we're not to accomplish things and be diligent. The Bible teaches all of that. But we are to get our value and our significance from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care where you are at in life and what you have experienced. He died and shed his blood and gave up his life for you because you are special and because you have a place in his family and in his kingdom. And he loves you and he needs you. I like T.L. Osborne. He said, people talk about, oh, look at, 
look at how much faith I have in God. He said, I'm not so impressed by that. He said, what impresses me is God's faith in you. God actually believes in you. God actually has plans for you. And if you could get on the same page as God, I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe, the source of all power, believes in you enough that he would give his only son for you and then give his own spirit to you to equip you. And if you believe that and acted on it, your life would be from another world. Your life source would be out of this world, yet you'd be living here. And so you'd live a supernatural life beyond what a normal person without God could live, yet in this world. That sounds a lot like Jesus. We are the body of Christ, and each one's a member individually. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, that your word is full of life, that your word sustains us, that your word affects even our bodies, that your word transforms our minds, that in Christ Jesus, we are healed by his stripes, that in Christ Jesus, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, that in Christ Jesus, all the power of poverty is broken over our lives, that in Christ Jesus, depression has no place, depression has to flee, that in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors through him who loved him, us and gave himself for us, that our minds are alert, that our bodies are quickened, that we walk and talk and live and move and breathe in your very life and in the very atmosphere of your son. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we pray all that in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. It's a personal relationship. It's not a religion, but it is like you get to know someone new. This is the most amazing relationship in the world or out of the world. And it is a relationship that brings life and freedom and love. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to, you can't clean yourself up. You can't make yourself right. You come just the way you are. Jesus is what makes you right. He's the one that makes you right. I want you to slip up your hand or email us, and I'd love to pray with you and pray for you. See you in an instant. Become a new creature and live for Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it is an experience subsequent to salvation called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can have a glass of water and you could drink it and still be thirsty or you could be so full of water. That's probably the best illustration for being full of the Holy Ghost. You can be born again and if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. But when you get him in fullness, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Something happens, something changes. If that's you this morning, lift up your hand. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're watching us online, I invite you, if any of if either of those are you, or maybe you did know the Lord, but you have uh, let other things come in and drown out the word and you want to come back to the Lord, em email us at the email info at anchordc.org and we'd love to pray with you and for you.